You're listening to Savage Wonder, a podcast about warriors and artists. It's long-form one-on-one conversations with people who have a foot in the world of the artist and a foot in the world of the warrior. It's produced by the Veterans Repertory Theater, which is a creative hub for talented veterans and world-class performers to create compelling live theater and events. You can always check out what's going on with us at vetrep.org. Again, that's V-E-T-R-E-P.org, vetrep.org. My guest today was the prolific Sarah Rossetti. Sarah may be better known to you by her Instagram handle, Invader Girl, which we talk about the origin of that. Um, But she is an incredibly prolific artist. I think last year she said she did 500 commissioned pieces. Uh, And it's not really that surprising when you see her work. Uh, For one thing, thematically, her work generally revolves around veterans, first responders, law enforcement, um, which is a great niche for a visual artist to make their living. But also the type of work that she does, the painting that she does, is, um, I think, arresting, mythic, has this mythical quality to it. Uh, There's a real uh, capturing of the nobility of veteran and first responder career paths that you don't see very often. You know, a lot of times you might see, uh, you know, the trauma or you might see kind of the propaganda and she is neither. She neither dwells in the negative or uh, over glorifies the positive, but I think she captures uh, very poetically the, um, the nobility of those professions and with some of the you know, attenuating trauma and attenuating uh, glory that might happen in those job fields. But, uh, but that mythic quality that she brings to it, I think is really arresting and really, uh, um, visually stunning. So uh, I was thrilled to talk to her. Uh, she comes to this passion for telling these stories. Quite honestly, she was a military brat, grew up on multiple PCS tours with a dad that was in the air force. And then spent, uh, you know, a lot of years in a bar with GWAT folks uh, coming in and out of uh, Guam. And uh, you'll hear all that in the episode, so I won't give too many more spoilers. But, man, uh, it, it's thrilling to hear how much those experiences uh, continue to inspire her, how much she got inspiration from veterans that um, were probably in pain, uh, probably dealing with a lot, uh, according to her. Um, yet she took away an awful lot of resilience from their example. So really interesting conversation. I was so thrilled to be able to talk to her. I felt bad. felt like I was taking her away from uh, her work because she works her ass off. And it just seems like every day she's cranking out all these videos, all the work she's doing. So I was thrilled she was able to carve out some time and talk with me. You are not going to want to miss the savage wonder of Sarah Rossetti, a.k.a. Invader Girl. All right, we're live. What's up, Sarah? Hello, how are you? I feel like I'm taking you away from your work. So every day you're making me feel like over the last couple of days, like a real slacker. Because every day I'm seeing you post like all these videos. I don't know if you've been compiling them 
and now you're just releasing them all or if you're actually doing all this work every day. But I feel like this whole interview is just taking you away from your work. All right. I mean, so when when I post something, that means I just did it. So it's kind of like a as it's happening, you seeing it as quickly as I can get it online. Holy shit. (laughs) Seriously? You're yeah, prolific. I might be might be a little bit of an addict when it comes to my work. So is it feast or famine for you? Is it like you you'll like, you know, not do anything for a minute and then you'll like a rush of inspiration and you're just up there like cranking through shit? Is that basically how it goes? Most of the time it doesn't turn off. Uh, <laughs> so if I like, you know, holidays, we had family up here. So it was just like after day two, I'm like, Man, I oh, really need to get in there and paint, you know, like a little crackhead. Like, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you, did you have family while you were painting? Were people like downstairs mixing and mingling and you're up there like locking yourself in a room and doing your shit? Well, I tried, I, I tried to behave. I mean, I snuck off and like, you know, prepped a piece or two. I was like, I just got to get it in just a little bit. <laughs> but they knew, right? They knew what you were doing. There was no hiding it. <laughs> You're like coming back, wiping the powder from your nose as you come back. Yeah. Attic life. Pretty much. Right back to it. Is this the room? Is this the room you actually do your work in? No. So this is, I would call like the living room slash office space. Um, There's a little bit of chaos going in the studio because I've got a bunch of panels that are waiting to go. Um, I've got a couple big projects that I'm trying to just get ahead of before the deadline. So because I have no idea like how long the lists will get. So just this constant like stay ahead so that we don't get bogged down and we can meet deadlines and get pieces out to the different organizations or people, you know, so just always Jesus. trying to stay ahead. <laughs> so, so you're, I mean, can I ask how long is the list and you don't have to be specific if you don't need to, but I mean, right now I've got it to just a couple people on the okay. list. And so when there's a couple people, I would say it's usually anywhere from a day to a week. You know, depending on size, complexity. Yeah, your face, it says it all. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow, right? seriously. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's incredible that you're cranking it out that quickly. That's really so. Are you just because you're just in the zone? You just never leave the zone. So you're like primed it's, and ready to go. Yeah, well, and if you do something, you know, you become really familiar and you start finding a system, you know, like taking a car apart or a gun or cooking. There, there's systems and you can apply that to how you construct your painting. And uh, I think last year produced about 500 pieces or so. So, yeah, <laughs> even I was like, really, is that number right? Wow. Um, but it's it's just repetition of, you know, creating a system and, you know, it kind of looks like a schematic in my head. So before I even start the piece, it's like blown out and it's like, OK, I have these six pieces and they have to go like this. And that's just that's what speeds up the process a little bit. So I, 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 I don't want you to dime out your, the people that are commissioning you, but what's the, what's your level of excitement for commission versus stuff that you organically originate yourself and post for sale that nobody commissioned you to do? I, I would say about the same, you know, just the commissions. It's like, I've gotten to meet so many amazing people from all over the world with just wild, wild stories where you're like, holy shit, you did what? What? Yeah. 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 You know, it's just really, you know, it's unreal that somebody will, you know, share that with you. And it, it's personal. You know, th- there are pieces that I'm not, uh, that I don't post. So call it the blacklist. So there's a whole body of work that will never see the, you know, light of day. <laughs> Those are my favorite ones. <laughs> because, because the commissioner didn't want them seen or because they're not commissioned and they're just ones that you do for yourself. 
because the client asked that you know okay. that they remain private. You know, because gotcha. yeah, yeah. we're we're talking about people's personal experiences, and you know, for them to even open up and you know share that, like that's that's amazing. And you know, if you don't want the world to see, hey, I get it. You know, I don't tell everybody everything about me. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny. You know, I was talking about this with um, God, somebody who was I talking about this with lately? Anyway, whoever it was, um, oh, we, I guess I was talking to my um, my kid. And his friends, because they were asking, you know, do you, have you ever killed anyone? And you know, which is like, you know, the typical, you know, right question that, that people ask. And I was like, and and then I think uh, one of my family members was around an adult and they couldn't understand why I couldn't give a straight answer or something. And I was like, well, I was like, it's kind of like asking about um, your honeymoon. You know, and it's like, hey, tell me exactly how it felt when your penis first went in. It's like, dude, like it's a little too much. Like, like it's 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 incredibly personal. And for some people, some people will get that information if they need it. Um, yeah. but but very, very few. And and I think that's why, and so I, I can see for you when you're having people open up to you for complete like it's like almost like you're their their priest, right? Because it's like they're coming to you to confess, like. Hey, I want this expressed. So I got to share this with you. I got to rip open my veins a little bit. And that's an yeah. incredibly delicate personal thing. Um, you know, no matter what the subject is, but but if it's something that they want captured artistically, I would imagine that it's incredibly personal stuff that you get to be privy to. Yeah. And and I I think too, maybe, you know, I think human nature, we want to connect with those around us. I think, I hope. Um because a, a lot of what kind of inspires this work too is like, you know, I've, I'm a civilian. I was never in the service, but my father was. I worked uh, in a bar for 10 years that put me in like direct contact with all kinds of people. And most of them, all service members so, and from every branch, every walk of life, every job, you name it. I've met them. Most of them. <laughs> um you know, in this this sharing of experience, you know, it's something as simple as just chatting over a beer. But there's this human connection in that. And, and, and then you add art into that. Now you can take this piece of art and it can go out into the world. You can show something that is extremely difficult to put words to. Yeah. You know, how, how many of us, whether it's war related or not, have had something that has happened and quite frankly, don't have the words. Yeah. So yeah. a piece of art might help, piece of poetry, music, fuck anything. And that I think builds back the humanity to one another. So it's like let's let's build that bridge. And I'm trying to lay as many bricks as I possibly can. What what's generally the approach that you find your clients taking when they approach you? Do they say, look, I have zero artistic ability, but this is I what I lot. want? Is that what they say usually? Yeah. <laughs> do you I just out of curiosity, do you ever um say to them, hey bro, why don't you fucking pick up a, a brush like what you're describing seems like something that even if it's crap just for therapeutic value alone you might want to put you know on canvas just yeah. for your own sake have you ever said that to anyone or has that ever come up in conversation i've seen a few people over the years that have started to paint you know because a lot of us i think when we were young we dabbled in doodles and painting yeah. and whatnot and i think somewhere we get it in our head that you know we need to be fucking picassos and it's like no, you just from here, put that out. And yeah. at the end of the day, you'll find your little tribe on, on who it relates to and whatnot. Like, it, don't worry what, you know, the art critics want to tell you, like, like, 
if, if I'm being completely honest, I've been making this up since day one and I run in my own little world. Right. Like right. I, I don't do shows. I, you know, well, I maybe done like one or two, but like, that's, I, I don't know. I'm just doing my own thing. So you do your own thing, put your own shit on canvas. There's no right or wrong. Pick up a tool and go cool. And, and just see what happens, you know, and if you kind of have an idea, start reaching out to people, ask questions like, Hey, how did you get this technique? Show me mm. and then apply it. You know, just, just build your own thing. Like I didn't go to school. I actually failed all my art classes. <laughs> really? How do you fail yeah, an art class? I didn't think they would allow, unless you like don't show up. How do you go about hey, doing that? Button heads with the teacher is a good really? way, you know? <laughs> no shit. What, what would, yeah. tell, tell me about that. What would happen? How'd you get into was, it with them? I was kind of a darker kid, you know, like I, I like. Well, no shit, your work stuff. is fucking dark. I know. I know. It's fucking ferocious. Yeah, it's badass. Yeah, you know, so when you walk into a classroom and they've got some apples and a cone and they're like, oh, you know, draw this still life. And you're like, oh, all right, fuck it, whatever, you know, and you do it, you know, because you're yeah. trying to learn and be good and, you know, not fail. And your instructor is just like, no, fuck you, blah, blah, blah. And then you get, you know chewed out for the drawing of the week which is supposed to be like an open concept they just kind of give you an idea and you do what you see oh i went full bore on one and i was sent to the principal's office and i just we just didn't get along <laughs> that's so weird so it's like a personality-based conflict it wasn't even necessarily like they're like hey your work is shit it's just oh <laughs> i don't like you i don't like your approach i don't like where your head's at that's so kind of, weird yeah I got lucky and uh, we have a friend of the family who was a high school art teacher. And so, you know, I got to spend time with him and get instruction without all the criticism because it, I started to just think like, oh, maybe my work is absolutely shit. Like, you need like private tutoring, like like some kid that's failing another class. No, you need to be privately tutored before you're ready for a, a school based <laughs> yeah. class. Yeah. Oh well, my I got God. lucky and we shared that, you know, passion for skulls and just kind of like out there artwork. So, you know, I got to then have that and it was like, okay, so I'm not totally fucking this up. But, you know, it's just kind of an important lesson on like, there really shouldn't be a lot of rules. There are some basic things to start yeah. you out with and then just fucking go for it. You know, like I'll send people, hey, these are all the products I use. But remember, this is just user preference. Like, Go grab six different kinds of paint and just see what you like. You know, there's there's no right or wrong. Fucking get in there. Don't be shy. <laughs> when did you start uh, realizing that you were serious about art? When when did that take off for you? Ah, uh, so let's see. I so I've been stateside. I think five years now. I showed up kind of on a whim, like backpack and like a couple hundred bucks. and was like, let's do this. <laughs> um, I, I was, I've always done art. That's always been like my outlet, my therapy, right. you know, my way to just kind of process and deal. And I then started kind of sharing it a little bit more regularly and started getting requests. And I was like, yeah, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. And it just got bigger and bigger to a point where it was like, man, my day job's kind of cutting into my my work like you know wow. the, the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. balance started to shift so i saved up some money and i was like all right cool i'm gonna quit my day job <laughs> wow. and wow. i'll give myself six months you know and if it's just totally tanking you know no big deal i can go back to work you know i've, I've got a ridiculous set of skills i'm like I, I can get any job it's no big deal so we just went into it and then all of a sudden you know we had a pandemic weird <laughs> and i was like oh god no shit <laughs> Yeah. 
so this was so so we're talking like literally in the last couple of years you really started to go pro essentially right i, I guess that's what they call it yeah i, I guess. guess for lack of a better what were you doing what was your job what was the job uh, so i worked in the family business i did bartending for like a decade uh okay. then got out of that and then went into what i call my corporate job i was managing uh over at michael's it's a craft store yeah sure so sure uh, when when I got stateside, I, I didn't want to do bar. Like I just, I needed a hard reset. So I was like, I need to change everything. And I was like, art store. Sure. Why not? And I originally applied just to be a cashier and they're like, Oh, you actually have manager experience. Do you want to do the night shift? And I was like, I'm a night owl. Let's, let's fucking uh, do this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so, but at that point, I mean, you, you obviously were gravitating towards art anyway, were you not? I mean, that, that was already kind of baked in the cake. By the time you were working, yeah, it was becoming more and more of the focus, you know. So, you know, making that huge shift of, you know, leaving a tiny island, coming stateside, you know, I wasn't going out. I didn't know as many people when I first got here. I was focused on like just doing the best I could with my job and then, you know, just kind of rebuilding my life over again. So, you know, you don't go out and spend all your money. So you're at home and you're like, oh, just keep painting, you know, and that's what brought me a lot of peace too. And, you know, and then sharing that. And then all of a sudden it was like, Hey, can you paint this? Or, Hey, can you paint that? And just, you know, all of a sudden it was like, my room was literally filled with canvases. I mean, I was getting paint in the closet. I don't know how that's possible. Um, That's so freaking true. That's so, so, so it's funny. I'm sorry. I just got to share this. So we're, we're a vet rep is, is buying a, this old 1820s house right now we're about to close yeah. in the next week or two yeah it's 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 kind of dope but it was this um girl's home for the last couple of years like you know for like oh. troubled teens or something like that yeah and um so when we're going through like it, the upstairs is all janky like you can tell they've like put locks on the doors they like had all these things that are trying to keep the girls from like running out and stuff right and generally, it wasn't like super trippy. There wasn't anything super freaky. There was only one thing, though, and it was in the closet. There was writing on the wall, but it was backwards, like they've been writing from inside the wall, and it had come through, and it wasn't like on the outside of the wall. It was on the inside. I was like, what the fuck? How the hell did that get there? So when you said painting in paint, how, how did you get paint inside the closet? I'm like, I don't know, man. Sometimes some weird shit happens in some <laughs> closets and I'm not sure how that happens, but yeah, really fucking bizarre stuff. You pretty much bought a haunted house. That's what you I, I think I did. And I'm never going to have to stay there either. It's totally going to be for our resident artists. I'm, I'm not even, I'll just be like, yeah, go up I'm there. So sorry for that. I, I, I promise you'll get inspired to write something. I can't promise what it'll be, but something will come out of you. I'm pretty sure. Um, so wait, just so sir, go sit in the closet, get inspired, come out when you got something. Yeah. We'll call it the inspiration closet. I like that. I like it. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, let's back up. So we, so, cause there's a, I got a ton of questions based just off what you said alone. Where were you coming from? Where were you were on an island? Where were you? Italy? Where where were Guam. you? Guam. Guam. No shit. Yeah. That were you there for 10 years? Was that where your 10-year bartending gig was? Ooh, a whole lot longer than 10 years, but like majority of my life was spent there. So I'm originally from Germany. Uh my dad got stationed out there. My met my mom, you know, got married, had kids, got divorced. My mom decided to move us to Guam. <laughs> and uh grew wait, wait, up wait. out there. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, hold on. Okay, first off, yeah, I know. where did where they where right? they meet where they meet? Where they meet in Germany? In Stuttgart? Uh, so let's see. Non So Stuttgart, uh 
was in the Air Force and it's a tiny little base that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, okay. He was doing a lot in like satellites and whatnot back in okay. the day. Um, oh, gotcha. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Got, so where did you, where did you end up? You weren't living on base then you were in the, in the no, economy, you were so, out in the community, right? Yeah. We lived in Nunvila. So if you know where Frankfurt or Frankfurt is at two and a half hours, like Southwest tiny town, like 200 people, you know, the autobahns in the distance and you're like, Hey, we're down here. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, so, I did that for a little bit. And then, you know, we got stationed every couple of years. So I've been to the Azores. That base is closed now, too. Wow. Um, Florida. Uh, where else? Germany, Guam. Yeah, so that was kind of it. And then, you know, okay. grew up in Guam. <laughs> and so so why did your mom pick Guam to go to? Because uh, we had gotten stationed out there. And when we had been there, she was working with uh, like a private club for tourists and whatnot she was a kind of like a vet technician for the animals so caretaker Uh, and she enjoyed that and she enjoyed the weather and so for her she was like fuck going back to the cold like we'll just go here (laughs) so you know she moved us out there and then you know a couple of years she ended up buying her first bar did that for a while then uh sold that and then started another bar and then she just recently like full-on retired from the bar so you know she's just wow. enjoying her beach life <laughs> so so describe that then when you were i mean did, i imagine you started when were you bar backing originally when you were still underage like was it that kind of thing where you're like hey i spend my off hours at the bar because this is where she is this is where the family is <laughs> well so back in the day at 18 you were legally allowed to drink out there so okay. it you know you grow up with that uh so at 18 uh, she got me kind of like a temporary gig at a smaller bar as she puts it and that's where i learned to just bartend right off the back like just got thrown in good luck and i was like wow. what's a fucking jack and coke help wow <laughs> so Holy you shit. know did that and then switched over to her bar did that full time, which is odd too because at the time i'm still in my last year of high school so you know it was just the weirdest experience of like, I've got to go to work. I'm going to be there till four. I have class right. in the morning. Right. <laughs> right. No wonder you're button heads with your art teachers. Yeah. They're like, Hey, yeah. I was out slinging drinks all night. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> this is what I feel like drawing. Get off my back. Wait. So, so who is it you end up bartending for? Is it almost all tourists that are coming through? Is it military personnel? Is it I mean, you, natives? You is it indigenous people? Like who is it? Yeah. Okay. But you, you get everybody. Uh, Guam does have a huge military presence. So that's a lot of people. Then you have the uh, Guamanians, you know, local population, uh, tourism too. Like, but if you weren't in like the downtown area, you didn't really see the tourists. Um, you know, it's just standard issue tourism, right. tourism tracks. Right. Uh, right. Right. So, and where yeah, was my, the bar in downtown or was it out in the hinterland? Yeah. <laughs> as so, it were it's only like 27 miles long it's a super tiny right. place <laughs> right i was gonna say i don't know how many hinterlands there are out in guam but all right uh, i didn't say <laughs> my sense was it weren't probably a lot um okay so you were in downtown what, yeah. what, what are they called downtown guam is that what it's called uh just tumon we call it tumon <laughs> okay all right downtown. all right uh, i was like That's yeah so I, don't, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> um so so how did you take to bartending? Um, I, I guess, were you just, was it fascinating for you? Was it just a job? What, how did you regard it? Uh, so I'm ridiculously shy by nature and being thrown behind the bar, like you don't, 
you've got to fucking engage with your customers. Yeah. Uh, so, but something about that bar counter just kind of created just enough space where I was like, Oh, and you know, kind of grew to not be that shy and become comfortable, talk to strangers, you know, that whole thing. And then when I started working in my mother's bar, you know, now all of a sudden I've got all these really interesting characters and this is like Oh five. So this is like the height of GWAT, you know? And this is before people really knew anything about anyone. Right. You know, this is before fucking iPhone. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, the experience was, it's insane because it's like you literally got a front row seat to talk with these guys, you know, coming in, going out rotation number two, you know, everything like it happened at that bar counter and it's, yeah, it started to show up in my work, you know, um, I, I didn't share the work for a long time because I was like, man, I don't want to think I'm weird. Like, right, right, right. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't know what people are going to think. So, but it just kind of sort of came out, you know, like one piece and then another piece. And then like, I would put a couple up in the bar, but I would never tell them it was me. I was just like, oh yeah, the artist is not in. I'll, I'll let her know. <laughs> yeah, that's me. That's hilarious. Um, so you yeah. were doing art. So you you still saw that, like even back then, that was that was an avenue, that was a safety valve for you that you could like turn to when you needed. Well, I don't think I realized the value that it had. You know, so so for me being in the bar, I love being there for people because you know people are there for years. They're away from family or friends or anything they know. So you become a surrogate in that sense. And this is now the extended living room, and you're welcome here. And we do Christmas, you know, here yeah. at the bar. Everyone's welcome. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you see it all from promotions to, you know, the end of their tour there to, you know, memorials and all of it. You know, so you, we become our own little family. And that's what I love. I love being there for people. I love, you know, being able to share a drink and, you know, unloading the day's work. You know, <laughs> you know, everybody comes in yeah. and always talks about work. And it's like, hey, man, drinking hours. No more work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. When did you and then when did you find that you were actually that you would be drawn to go create something artistically after a night at the bar? Would it be when something really was like tragic or was it something just hey, I had an interesting conversation with this dude? What what was it that would inspire you to actually go put pen to paper and, and draw something or paint something? All of it. I mean Oh really? Yeah, I mean we're we're talking, you know, people with extraordinary experiences that are that are not normal, you know, for people who just live in a day to day life. You know, humans. I I can remember a night where, I mean, we're packed four or five bodies deep from the bar. Tables got people on it everywhere, and there's just this like thought of how do I live like they are right now? You know, how, how they fully embrace every inch of what it means to fucking live you know and like these are people who have lost their best friends or you know going through divorces but but they're so in this moment and so happy and just just fucking living and it was like how do i do this you know and so that kind of started this obsession of like asking questions observing a little bit more and then wow. you know just kind of seeing it in all aspects at the bar and it was like there's something very important here and it has to do with the secret on how to fucking live. Like, you know, and how do we get that out to the rest of the fucking world? Like, Hey guys, you want to really enjoy life? You know, like 
no, nobody's saying go, you know, have an eight pack and become a superhero, but you right. can, you can still be awesome. And it doesn't matter what profession you're in or what you do or whatever you're passionate about, but, but put yourself in it and you get so much more out of life. Like my cup of coffee and my sunrise, a oh, million dollars every morning, you know, and that's every morning, but that's because I learned that from all those people showing me what it means to live you know like really live so i hope the work is kind of no listen that that's awesome it's so rare that you hear anything like yeah these people that were suffering a lot and doing a lot like in the military like really taught me a lot of good positive life lessons like that's that's just not something you normally hear it's normally hey this is we're weighed down with trauma and tragedy and all the rest and we're finding ways of coping um it's it's interesting (laughs) that that's what you saw with it so had you been had you never really stopped your art, even from your earliest days, was that a constant or did you find yourself coming back to it now that you were, I would say coming back to it. So, you know, growing up, like it's not popular to, you know, tell your family, I'm going to be an artist. They're like, you're going to fall flat on your face, (laughs) you know, which, which makes sense. Right. You know, it's like, get a job, go to school, you know, do something that can, you know, sustain you and maybe then do your art on the side. So, you know, there's periods where like I didn't do art. There was a period where, you know, uh, my drinking was way out of control. So I wasn't doing what I love to do. Yeah. Um, and when I when I got stateside, it just kind of did like that huge shift. It was like, what do I love to do? Oh, I really like fucking painting. So there you go. <laughs> got you. So did you find... Um... Did you find that your art was, oh, were you getting sales? Did you ever try to sell? Did you try to show or anything like that? Or was it literally like, yeah, I'll put one up at the bar. You could keep all the rest in a, you know, folder back at the house. Like it was a kind of like on the down low. Uh, here and there, like, you know, just here and there, every now and then somebody, you know, would just be standing in front of a piece and be like, I need that. And I'm like, oh. I don't know what to charge you. Um, uh, Buy me a case of beer. I don't know. Like I, I had no yeah, idea. Yeah. Is that you what know, but, is that what it went for? A case of beer, basically, <laughs> back then? Kinda. Or wow. you know, wow. buy me a shot and we'll call it good. Like, you know, wow. but you just start seeing these really amazing, you know, experiences between a person and a piece of art. And I, you can't put a price on that. Yeah. You know? Like, and especially for people who don't like art. Like, I'll go to museums and I'm like, well, this sucks, this sucks. Like right. it, it doesn't. Right create yeah. that ah you know and so to see other people have that experience with a piece of art unfucking real like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's why artists need agents because no artist is ever a good arbitrator about how much their stuff is worth um because yeah, but I, I imagine that's right because it's so it's such a, a rush to see somebody's emotional reaction to your work that it's yeah, like it's, it's gonna be better than that yeah yeah, it makes it really hard to monetize. That makes it tough. Yeah. So, um, what stood? Do you remember one that stood out to you? Do you remember a moment or a story or a person that was like, you know, one of your first pieces that were that really made you go, "Oh shit, I got to capture this in some way." Oh, I mean, there's yeah, well, all of them. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. there's some like. Uh, I have a good friend. We were having a conversation on on the topic of duality. Uh, he's 
he's about to get out now, but you know, spent his, you know, you know, from 18 all the way into his adulthood, all he knows is the military. And then, you know, had a family, has kids, and then talking about the duality of like, you know, within 24 hours, you go from fucking kicking in doors and, you know, bagging up bad guys to now I'm tucking in my kids and reading goodnight stories. And it's like, yeah, these extreme differences. And for whatever reason, while they were talking, I was like, Shh, I see it. You know? So like after that conversation, I scurried off into my little, you know, my bat cave. And I was like, painted up this crazy piece. And I was like, ta-da! Here is what duality looks like. And it was just like, wait, you just did that now? Like, how the fuck? And I'm like, I don't know. It just happens. Wow. <laughs> wow. So it does happen where, where people uh, reach out. I, I had somebody reach out about a, a memorial piece. And for whatever reason, just, I got to go do this right now. So before they could even respond back to the email I had sent, I went ahead and produced a piece, shot them the email. And they were like, well. <laughs> wow holy shit you know it's just, yeah just i don't know i think just having a sense of like being open and just 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 fucking go for it i think a lot of artists get really stuck on details or oh it's not perfect blah 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 like who gives a shit like produce from here you don't like something learn from it and apply that to the next one you know because yeah. it's not for me it's it's this is yeah. this is what i'm gonna leave behind essentially and you know we're, we're capturing this massive story this is our history you know okay it's not like the great depression or a world war this is our fucking story and last time i checked it's literally touched just about everybody i mean you go to new zealand or australia the uk canada anybody can tell you something about the gwat you right. know like right it's kind of a world effort yeah <laughs> right it's right fascinating you yeah. know and it's like we get to document that. We get to, you know, we learn something. Let's let's share that. So when the next generation, you know, comes about, they're like, oh, look at all these people and how they lived and what they've done afterwards. And, you know, so many of them are now going into government. And it's just yeah. awesome yeah. to see that. Or or entrepreneurs, how many businesses have popped up? And it's just like, oh, this is awesome. Like, you experienced this, you did this, you succeeded in this, and now you're turning around doing this. And it's like, Ah, yeah. Keep going. <laughs> How much? No. Uh, yeah. Well, well, that's what I'm I'm picking up, and it's I, I guess my my first thought about that is is it what turns you on? Is it the GWAT? Is it the soldiers? Is it the stories? Do you find yourself getting turned on by other subjects as well? Um, in other words, do you just kind of radiate whatever's right in front of you. It's like, hey, if I was in front of a uh, you know, I, I don't know a dance school. I'd be painting dancers all the time. You know, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> is that is it kind of like that, or or is it just whatever's around you, or is there something else going on that makes you constantly come back to that to those subjects and those themes? Well, I, I think I will always go back to that specific theme because I think within there is something that just humanity is missing, and I think that's how mm. to really live, how to go out and hunt the edge of the universe because. A lot of us, like me, I'm a great example too, too fucking afraid to try and pursue art, you know, these, these fears, these stereotypes. But then you look over there and there's a bunch of dudes who are just doing rad shit and like, apparently nothing seems to phase them and they're just going for it. And you're like, how the fuck? 
you know, Interesting. And, yeah. and you start to learn like, oh, wait, I can do things that I want to do too. And then you look around and you start realizing hey, that guy became a firefighter. Oh my God. That's, you know, like we can apply the right. same theory to everything in life, you know? So it, I mean, I started painting trees. I have done ballerinas. That's actually funny that you bring it up. Um, just wow, to, to be alive, you know, and, yeah. and to live and embrace and, you know, not let an obstacle stop you, not let your trauma turn you into just a victim. Like we've all had bad shit. Everyone, me too. Like, but what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do to help the people behind you to bring them up? Like, shouldn't we each individually strive to take people up? You yeah. know? That's super interesting. You say that because it, to look at your like so many of so much of your work, it seems like the color choice, the skulls, all the rest of it. Nobody would go, boy, here's a person that's in love with life. Here's somebody that's really pushing the inspiration, you know, um, but it is funny because your stuff is not. Um, I, I, I notice that for myself, I don't feel depressed looking at it for all the darkness and the grit. It is there is something mythic instead of depressing. And that's, I think, a fine line in the work. And it kind of makes sense now hearing you talk about why what you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. We picked Sarah's brain. We all know who I am. Now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's seriously interesting. No, listen. It, it, yeah, the cat's out of the bag. This trade secret is out. Um, but that's uh no, that's that's really interesting. I guess. Um, let me ask a couple of, of, te- of like shop questions. So medium, how did you find the mediums that you work in? How did you find, did you find that paint worked better for you? Um, did you find that spraying like works better? Like, I, I, and I'm, I'm an illiterate artist, so bear with my lack of like appropriate. Okay, same. But, okay. <laughs> well, same, but you get away with it. Cause when you actually do it, you, you get a, a huge reprieve uh, on, on your lack of education, I guess. But <laughs> wh- wh- how did you find the medium or did it find you? Well, like, how did that work? Uh, well, first of all, never having the money to actually, you know, buy all the art supplies. Um, and then to being isolated on a tiny island and not having access to everything because mm-hmm. we have to import all of it and that jacks prices up. So, you know, starting out with, the box of crayons or the random pen lying around in the house, um, experimenting with house paint, you know, cause mom left the can open. You're like, ah, wow. yeah. Um, and then shit. acrylics, I think just kind of became that like happy medium. Like I have a, I think a great grandfather that did watercolor. So, you know, when you go home to visit the relatives, you see all these watercolor pieces. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. You know, whatever. So, I kind of started out with watercolor and I was like, fuck, I suck at this shit. (laughs) So transitioned off to, I tried oils, but you know, again, price and quality. And I just didn't know anybody who knew how to do oils. And this is before, you know, the age of the internet. So, you know, dial up took forever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So acrylics was just that happy medium. And I was like, Oh, you can water them down like watercolor or you can build them up in layers. And so that's, I enjoy just having that flexibility with it because you can paint it on, you can get a palette knife, fuck, you can take your hand and just <laughs> How, um, 
how much time do you have or do you allot yourself for your own work versus the work that gets commissioned? Do you, are, is it ever like, you're like, Hey, I've got an idea burning in the back of my head and I can't get to it until I get through this, this, and this. Like, is that how it is? So, you know, I, I would say this is like my second, like proper, proper year of business. And last year there was, I think three or four months where it was just the commissions list never ended. It was just work, 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 work. And I just said, fuck it and turned off commissions and was like, I'm going to paint what I want to paint and just went for it. But I think what's important too with anything is you have to find a happy balance, you know, moderation. Uh, so if I start feeling like I'm getting overwhelmed with commissions or I feel like I've got way too much of my own personal shit, because I think I, I've, I've gotten rid of a few, but I think I have about like 2,000, 3,000 images that I want to produce. And I try to like get a couple in here, but then unfortunately I see more things and I'm like, I gotta do that. This is gonna be red. <laughs> so. Yeah. So it's like it's like your commission Moderation. list. Your commission list grows, but also does your personal list of stuff. So it's like you're never getting through either one. No. Wow. No. Holy crap. So, um, technique wise, or not even technique wise, I guess just the end product. When you look at the work you're doing now and the work you did, let's say way back in the bar, some of your earliest stuff. Do you notice a big difference? Oh my god! Yeah. Really? Yeah. I actually. So uh, I guess Facebook does that like memories thing, right? Uh, yeah. um, and it just shot me one. And I was like, oh, I did that? You know, really? but it's really awesome to see like that transition of like my I, I, my textures weren't as thick. I, my paints were way more watered down. I did a lot of hard outlines, a lot of like alien chicks with bombs and telephone poles. And I was like, man, <laughs> a lot of drinking. What was going on? <laughs> You know, but it, it's it's grown and it's really awesome to see that. And I think the only reason it's grown so fast is, you know, again, I see something I maybe don't particularly like, but say, fuck it, and then apply that to the next one. So essentially all you're doing as, as anybody who's practicing a craft is you're applying learned knowledge to the next one instead of hanging out back here, stuck as fuck and angry as shit, like move the fuck on. Yeah. Keep going. Ah. <laughs> Do you do you look at other people's artwork, or do you, have you found influencers or, or inspiration in other artists? It seems like a lot of this is generated from your own mind and from the inspiration of your subject matter. But do you see other artists? You get inspiration from them as well. Uh, so, like currently, there's one. Uh, her name is Chroma Leroy. Uh, she's an oil painter. Uh, she falls more into the realism category, and she actually paints with like three hairs on a brush that's how she paints takes fucking forever and i'm over here with a palette knife so we have this friendly banter <laughs> that's um, funny but i love her work just because she captures such detail and it's like man i wish i could do that you know and i, I just i can't so i appreciate what she mm. does on top of the fact that it's oil and it's like oh I, I don't have the patience for that you know so to me it's profound that she can sit there for hours with three hairs and create masterpieces. I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> um, that's you know, gotta but, be insane. Yeah. That's such a different mindset, especially from what you're talking about, how you yeah. work. Cause you're like this prolific mind that's constantly revving. And I, I it sounds like <laughs> she's probably a lot more, you know, like 
oh, hold on, I want to really make this perfect or like, right? And like, kind of like send the details or something. And she, she gets it done. Like she's producing work too. I mean, hers take longer because again, right. oils, you just have to do the mixing and this and that. But she's also been like classically trained. Like she has mm. training behind her, you know? So she has a whole nother level of understanding that I just didn't get. Uh, maybe one day I'll I'll go to like an art school or something, you know, just just to learn. Fuck it, why not? Would you? <laughs> would fail. you do that? I think if if I found like the right class with maybe like the right instructors, like you you never stop learning. You never should stop learning. You know, and everything I know is because I was just fucking around or because um, I asked somebody, hey, how how did you get this? Oh, like that? Cool. And then apply it over. So yeah, I'd probably do it. <laughs> what's the what's give like potential clients an idea of what's helpful and what's not helpful when they commission something? Because I bet a lot of people come in there and it's like um, guns blazing. Yeah, guns blazing, <laughs> or completely shy and not sure about. Uh, well, it's kind of like this, but not like that. I mean, whatever you want. Like you're the artist. Like it's like <laughs> incoherent rambling. Yeah, that's that would be my my conception of it. Is that accurate or is, or are people a bit more? It can happen, you know, because a lot of people think that art is this like hoity-toity high-end shit with these fancy fluffy words that nobody understands. And it's like, no, no, not here. Um, this is just, give me a loose description of an idea, a dream, a memory, whatever it is that you're kind of trying to articulate. If you have pictures, send those over because that helps just kind of narrow it down or else I'm like, I have a million ideas. Let's do them all. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I would say I've gotten pretty lucky with just, you know, being able to, you know, grasp. I do mess it up a lot. I actually had a commission recently where the client was describing all these different things and I thought I had the right idea. Totally left field because, you know, we just we just didn't jive, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> which is no big deal because it's just that's more for me to learn. Right. and. How do I maybe manage that better so that the client can then express it better? Like maybe I have to start telling people, hey, get a pencil and you're going to do a stick figure drawing so I can see it, you know? Interesting. So yeah, it's all a learning experience, but you know, can't get them all right. <laughs> no, that's crazy. What, what do you do? How do you handle that when you, when somebody's like, come to you and like, yeah, like, yeah is, yeah, is that what you do? Like, I mean, do you just like cry it out and go, all right, that was enough. Now I'm good. Or, or is it something where you kind of like laugh it off and are like, oh, that was fun. Let's not do that again. Uh, I mean, some of them are doozies, you know, where you're just like, oh, how did I fuck this up? What the fuck? You uh, know, like, I did I yeah, misread yeah. the message? And you go back and you're like, ah. Um, Got you. Sometimes you're just like, oh, wow, I really screwed that up. <laughs> you know? That's and, and, and that's that's where you got to have that balance with do your own shit, take yeah. commissions. but yeah. Don't be afraid to say no. I think that's something I've had to learn is maybe tell people, hey, I can't do that. Like, I'm not, I don't do realism. I, I can't do it. So, I, sorry. I can try, but it's going to be bad. <laughs> Got you. Yeah. What about that? What right now, I, I, for, I, I guess it sounds like you don't want to even try to do realism, but what stuff do you think you could be better at that you want to get better at that you're like, oh, yeah, I, I think I could sharpen this up still? I have. It would be nice to get a little bit more, you know, fine-tuned with like facial features, hands, um, mm. you know, just, just being able to manipulate the paint to create that better. I mean, it's, you, you do it wrong and the nose is all fucked up. The lips are like, Hey, how are you doing? 
you know, that's why I don't do a lot of faces. Like I have been lucky and been able to do a couple of really awesome pieces, but I just kind of see the world a certain way that I just can't help myself. And I'm like, there needs to be some skull in here. And they're like, Oh my God, that's really dark. And I'm like, <laughs> did, did you know who you were hiring? Yeah. Right. Um, do you ever like, uh, I don't know what the right term is this for. So I'm going to make one up. Do you ever like Frankenstein your work where it's like, Oh, this isn't working at all, but I can use this for something else. And I see how to like carve this out and use this over here. And like, do you do that? Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. I have butchered so many of my pieces. I'm like, fuck, that's horrendous. Who did that? Me? Ugh. Nailed it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I try not to rework my pieces. So for me, a big issue right now is space. Like we live in a tiny two bedroom apartment. And one of those is the workspace. And I've only got so many walls and I'm like, I produce at a rate that is unrealistic. Where am I going to yeah, put these pieces? Yeah. So some pieces will get taken down and repainted. And I'm like, sorry. So I think I've talked about this before on the show, but uh, I think you'll appreciate this. I had a, I had a friend of mine. He, he died a couple of years ago, but he was a painter. Uh, his name was E.J. Weiss, and he uh, had become, I, I think he became relatively well-known. He The 9-11 commission, not 9-11 commission, uh, whoever was redoing Ground Zero, like commissioned him. And I can't remember if it was wow. anything. But they commissioned him to do like a piece on 9-11 and all this. Anyway, he lived in... Um, in Chelsea on, on the west side of New York, and he uh, had a railroad apartment, but all of his work was on huge canvases. So it was like, well, what the fuck do you do? So he had like, um, there's probably a term for it. I, I don't know what it is, but it was like, um, like a hinge on the wall with all yeah. these like uh, full length canvas things there. And he yeah. would stack and he had, he must've had like, I don't think I'm overestimating probably like 80, 50, 80 canvases just stacked along there. And so to walk along his railroad apartment, you'd go, you'd have to like, like scoot past, like narrow yourself and scoot past all these canvases that were just there throughout like the main body of his apartment. And then, but then he was also trippy. Like his whole apartment was painted. Like he literally had done artwork on his whole apartment. So when you walked into his apartment, it was literally like you walked into his brain. Because you walked in and the whole place was just him and his ideas. And you're like sitting on like a chair covered in a canvas that he had painted that was oh, there. So rad. And, and partly because he didn't have anywhere else to put the stuff. So he's like, all right, well, fuck it. It's now a table, you know, and it's like, <laughs> so, so like everything's just there. But it was funny because I, I always was like, how the fuck do you work so big in such a small space? And I, I think he had a studio that he would go to, but it was really like, yeah, he'd store all this sh- Oh, these huge pieces there. Anyway, it's gonna be me in a couple that. months. Watch out. Seriously, <laughs> yeah, whatever that is. I don't know. I, I, I have to imagine he bought that. I don't think he made that himself. But whatever that is, yeah, get yourself one of those contraptions where you're just stacking canvases over there. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me. How small do you work? Do you I, I, like? It seems like all your pieces are pretty big. They're all like these mythic, legendary sized pieces, right? Oh. They're, I think they're pretty small. I would like to go bigger. Again, it's just space is limiting, uh, you know, and then getting the product in and out, shipping, you know, something I have to consider too. Oh, um, yeah. Packing the painting so it doesn't break. So I try to just kind of keep to like four or five sizes. I will do custom sizes if asked. Um, but 
for the smaller ones, what was starting to happen is a lot of people would request smaller sizes with these overly complex ideas. And palette knife doesn't get that goddamn small. So until I find somebody to make me really tiny palette knives, yeah. this is these are the sizes. Because it just it got really impossible. I was like, I'm pretty good, but not that good. Um, yeah. you know, my hand would cramp up and I'm throwing up gang signs like Grab your strong hand. Yeah. Have you ever done murals? Has anybody asked you to do a mural? I haven't done a mural since I was a kid, um, which was like in my bedroom. So that doesn't count. Um, I hope to do one this year. There's talk of maybe doing one out in Colorado. Um, So we'll see. Because. I have no idea how to do that. I'm like, what, what kind of paint do I use? Yeah. Like, is it going to be cold? I don't like cold. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll I mean, see. That's a, So are you looking forward? Is it, is it like a, a distressing challenge or is it like a uh, exciting challenge to think of? I'd say exciting because it's just like, you know, here, here's a thing that needs to be solved. Figure yeah. it out. You know, I, like I say nowadays, like I don't have, problems you know there's no bad problems it's all good problems right you know, right comes up figure out something out and you, you fuck it up well guess what have a have a beer or a glass of whiskey and you know go to sleep figure it out tomorrow <laughs> no it's it's funny you seem to have like a, a really healthy way of of sorting through this and it, and it's in distinct in contradistinction to so many artists i think that crumble internally like if you run into a problem that you haven't already thought through or solved or, you know, whatever, that's like, oh, my God, I'm clearly the worst. Like there's Hitler and there's me. And uh, that's it. You know, <laughs> and it's like and it said you're like, yeah, no, it's not that big deal. Like, OK, yeah. You, you, and and that seems like it's probably a really healthy way of approaching things because you're not. It doesn't seem like you're neurotic about your work. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, well, I would say it's something I've recently like put together and learned, you know, like. Uh-huh. Okay. I would say I was very depressed beforehand, but that's also because I was drinking insanely. Like, you know, yeah. I'm like five four and maybe 130 pounds on a good day, trying to outdrink 250 pounds of man. Like, fuck you, I can drink more. Doesn't work out well for anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, so like, if people who knew me from like five six years ago, they'd be like, "Who the fuck is this?" Really? You know, so oh no, shit. But I think you have to have those experiences. And again, like, what do you do with that? You know, do you wallow in your shit or do you say, I've had enough of this. There has to be more. Let's go figure that out. And then it just, it becomes this, it's like a new habit now. You know, routine has been a lifesaver and that routine of over and over. And it's just grown into more and more to where it now affects, you know, if a problem arises, it's like, yeah, whatever figure it the fuck out, you know, yeah, have my yeah, five minute yeah. pity party, move the fuck on, you know, right. Oh, I didn't nail that commission, whatever, like yeah. moving yeah. on, yeah. try again, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. But you need, it's funny. I was, uh, um, I think my wife and I were talking about this cause she's an artist and, and, um, we we're talking about it in a different context, not her work, but we we're talking about, um, the delicate nature of art that that artists can be such a fragile thing and that and that to actually make it as an artist you do need a thick hide and you need it to be able to truck on you need to be able to drive on and move on well bartend for 10 years you get a thick hide yeah yeah <laughs> that's right yeah the shit people will say the stuff you see in here i mean right. 
And then too, you know, you're growing, like for me, I grew up under the tutelage of a bunch of GWAT dudes. Uh, those guys don't fuck around. So if you're acting like an asshole, you're going to get one in the rib cage. I can't tell you how many times I've had the wind knocked out of me. It's just brotherly love. Like it's nothing bad. It's just like, Oh, all right. I'm going to go think about that when I get you a beer, <laughs> you know, and for, for art, it is true. It is extremely like, Oh my God. You know how many artists are afraid right. to show their shit. Right. And it's just like, God damn it. Stop. Like j- just show it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because what I try to tell people too is like, it's not your job to worry about whether it's good or bad. The people are going to decide. Yeah. Your only focus and job as an artist is to produce, to work, to just get it out there. You put everything you've got into that. And whatever happens is, is going to happen. Like, I, I've had pieces where I'm like, God, that's a piece of shit. And somebody sees it and they're like, oh my God, it's the most amazing thing in the world. I'm like, are you? Hi, what's what's wrong with you? Like, yeah, it's so individual. You can't decide that. Yeah, yeah. So you just have to put it out. How does that work? Then, so I'm thinking of like that old Hemingway quote, you know, write drunk, edit sober, and uh, and you know, and certainly for writers, uh, you know, editing makes the writer. You know, it's very few people are brilliant writing their first draft. Like it's all just vomit something out and then edit it. And the better editor you are, the better writer you will be. Is it like that for you as well? Or is it, it seems like it's more your first draft has to be pretty damn good and you have to kind of know where you're going because there's not a ton of editing you can necessarily do. Is that right? Or yeah, I, I, think, I think you can apply that concept, you know, going back to, oh man, this is shit. But you learn something when you're looking at it going, ooh, I can do that better. So that's your edit and you then do it on a totally new painting, you know, so it oh, becomes this beautiful cycle. Yep. you know, over and over. Got think, you. Yeah. Got you. No, no, that makes sense. That make that makes a lot of sense. And, and, and you've certainly seen that with your work, the way you've seen your work evolve, right. That it just keeps improving and developing and morphing into something new. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when you find yourself doing stuff just for yourself, where do you notice that your mind goes to different places, that different subject matters, different inspiration, or is it still coming back to the same themes? Do you still find that there's a lot of the same stuff to mine that you mine in your commissioning? Uh, I think there's similarities, definitely. And then, too, you know, what, what's going on in my personal life? You know, what, what conversations have I recently had with friends or family or what news article did I read or what, you know, brilliant thought <laughs> did I think I had? Um you know, so, and then too, I think there's no pressure. So it's kind of nice to just produce without any of this noise and expectation of just, yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's the chance to experiment too, you know, try something yeah. new out and see what happens. Like, oh, those colors look all right. Or cool. Look at what this brush did with this, you know? So, and then you take that again, you learn something and you can apply it somewhere else. Yeah. So you just kind of keep building this inventory while getting shit out. Is that is that where you find yourself experimenting is in like the types of brushes or the types of colors or is there other things that you experiment with where you're like, "Oh yeah, you know, I haven't really done I don't know, you know, sun and flowers, so let me try that." Like, do you try that as well? I mean, what's the what's the full range of your curiosity when it comes to experimenting like that? 
I think, you know, as, as you're developing as, as an artist or writer or whatever, like you'll try something because you're like, I think I can do it this way. And you'll see something. You're like, man, that color is horrible. Can I find a better color? Can I match it differently? Or you'll accidentally get a bit of paint on your brush or palette knife and you swish it on there. And all of a sudden you've got this really wicked, you know, streak of color. And you're like, holy fuck, let's do more of that. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, you just kind of see these little things and then just keep trying to figure out how to develop that or, you know, do more of that or get something else out of it, you know, and it's just a matter of like seeing it, you know? So when you re read your work, there's something there and you're like, Oh, Oh, you know, and then you restructure it just a bit. Right. Bam, yeah. You've got this totally different thing going on. And yeah. 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 Same thing. So that makes sense. I want to go into, um, cause you keep coming back to the G guys and, and to the, you know, um, influence that, that they had and this resilience that you saw in them. And I'm kind of, and I want to poke at that a little bit just cause I'm super curious. Cause I said, like nobody, that's not something you usually hear about. You usually hear, you know, uh, you know, about people wrecking their lives and the detritus that they leave in their wake. Um, for you, it's interesting to me the affection that you have for those guys. Um, because coming out of a divorce of a military family, I it seems to me it would have been 50 50 that you could have gone the other way and gone, this I'm gonna fuck the military. Like enough, like they fucking, you know, like, was that ever a thought? Was that a consideration or do you, or were you, did that never really enter the equation for you? Uh, I think I'm pretty sure in my younger years, I had some like hate love relationship towards, you know, that, um, uh, oh, well, I mean, it, you know, like when I got exposed to, you know, being in the bar and just meeting, you know, all these people, I was in the middle of, you know, just like fuck the world, you know, I'm 18, I'm angry, yeah. you know, just had, just had this like life changing moment occur that just totally threw what I thought the world was upside down, set everything on fire. And I was like, what do I fucking do? Like, what? And so, you know, I'm this like raging kid with no real guidance. So I'm just like, fuck you, mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I might as well have been wearing mascara and had a mohawk, like, you know, right, that kind of right, angry. Right. You know, and then you start meeting all these people. And I, I think by nature, I've always just been empathetic. So I start seeing people who have had way shittier lives than me, have experienced way shittier shit than me. And I'm over here being fucking mm. angry and you know, destroying my own life because I'm wow. angry and yeah. it's just like, man, look at look at these people, like just just getting after it, even though this just happened, or you know, they just got this phone call and it's like, holy fuck. Okay. You know, and I, I made a, a lot of dumb mistakes in the bar, you know, just because I wasn't educated, I wasn't exposed to anything. So I didn't know anything about like memorials or traditions or anything and you know through me fucking up but somebody realizing i didn't know any better and then teaching me and showing me and explaining it just kind of opened more doors of like oh okay you know so it, i would say at the end of the day the work is my attempt to say thank you to everyone you know because 
and, and then two to share their story. And I think what they offer the world is fucking priceless. And I think we can share that more. You know, I, I'm a product of growing up under that tutelage and I want the rest of the world to have that experience. Like spend some time with one of them, fuck all of them. If you can just hear their stories, see how they lived and then apply that to your life, you know, and it, it translates to so many different aspects, you know, and, and, and then too, it reconnects us again. It's not them and us. It's not yeah, yeah. Navy and I don't know, firefighters. Like we, we all share, you know, because we're fucking human and we all have experiences. It's like, I think the work can just kind of at least be a starting point, yeah. you know, to at least maybe get a conversation going or just yeah. remind people like, Hey, you've got something that needs to come out into the world. Don't hide it away. Don't, don't drown it in a bottle of whiskey. Like, yeah, life's fucked up. Like, I mean, you want me to air out my bag of fucked up shit? Right. Like, just just go forward god damn it and you're gonna fall down you're gonna have fucking shitty days you're gonna fuck up guess what get up just get the fuck up <laughs> what, did you ever consider joining did that ever cross your mind i did and uh i had some very interesting experiences as it was all leading up to that and it really just... <laughs> you ever you ever think the universe just sends you really fucked up signs when it really wants you to go left instead of right? So it uh, it's just a weird set of events occurred as that was trying to become a thing that just you're going left, not right, whether you like it or not. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm. Really? <laughs> and two, I think, oh. I think not having a good understanding, you know, just being this angry kid, not listening to anybody, you know, like my, my dad pushed for it, you know, was very adamant, like just, oh, really? just, just go talk to them. I mean, being like, fuck no, Rob. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then just a couple other things lined up just perfectly. And I, I know that some people might be like, oh, that's an excuse. And it's like, yeah, it might be, but that's just how my life occurred. Right, and, right, right. right. But, yeah. so, so when he pushed you to do it and then you were like, no, I'm not down for that. But then you you did try to make more of a move later on and the universe like rebelled against you. Is that what happened? <laughs> How much of that was, can you talk about? How much of that do you want to talk about? Ah, uh, well, I was supposed to go for the ASVAB, you know, to see how smart you are. Right. Yeah. And, uh, as I'm getting in my vehicle, turn it on and start to pull out of the parking lot to go to this test at a very specific time, you know, and I'm brought up with, if you're not 30 minutes early, you're fucking late, right? So, you know, right. I'm like, oh, I'm going to show up on time. Right. And the fucking wheel snaps up. <laughs> Just dead in the street. And I'm like, oh, this is embarrassing. All right. Again, before like internet and iPhones, right? I got my little prepaid, you know, with my 10 cents of text. Try to call my mom. Nothing. Try to call my dad. Nothing. And I'm like, who the fuck and I'm like, I'm all the way on one side. I need to go down here. And it was just like, holy fuck. shit. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Just, and again, you know, just not being open enough to being like, okay, cool. I have a problem. What do I do? Right. It was just, right. oh, the fucking mountain has come down on me. Right, 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 right. You know, instead of being like, it's not a big deal. Get a taxi. Start fucking walking. You got two legs. You know, like, so. I think 
I think maybe it's a good thing, you know, being young and angry. I just grew up differently versus maybe if I had some better guidance or just better skill sets, you know, I don't know, but that's the choice I made. And, you know, the past is the past. I'm not. No. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to, yeah, you don't need to fucking justify (laughs) anything. God knows. I mean, it's, I'm just interested. It's, it's a, um, do you have, do you have contact with, with people outside of clients now in the military or the law enforcement worlds or anything like that? Um, now that you're not at the bar and you're not, you know, getting these people drunken in your face seven nights a week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I would say from, from that life, I've burned a lot of bridges just cause I needed that hard change. Uh, but now, you know, through, through the work and just social media, it's, I've built this whole new network essentially. And just, I, it's, it's amazing, you know, where the work itself has yeah. gone and just who it connects with and, you know, just what it can do. And so it's, yeah, I think pretty good. What is uh? Have is anybody from the bar anybody that you used to know um like found you Very on social few. media? Oh, really? Very few. Okay. <laughs> What's the reaction I, been? Uh, holy shit! You're doing what? <laughs> really? <laughs> so I I think more eventually throughout the years, you know, it'll it'll happen. Um, you know, again when when I made that shift, I kind of like dropped off the face of the earth for a bit, and you know. Uh, I don't post a lot about myself. So if you never see a picture of me or a time lapse, you have no idea who I am. Plus, you know, we all look different after a while. (laughs) Right, right, right. Well, that reminds me. Yeah. So where did Invader Girl come from? What's the story behind Invader Girl? Oh, man. All right. So I actually wanted the artist name to be 31001. It's a set of numbers. And I sign all my pieces like that. But Invader Girl happened because... I had used a short version of my email as the handle on Instagram because I didn't know what Instagram was. <laughs> and everyone's just like, oh, what's up, Invader Girl? And I was like, who? What? Fuck. This is how they know me. So it just, there you Wait, go. So, so, so it was part of your email handle, though, to begin with. So You know the cartoon show, Invader Zim? The like Nickelodeon show? No, uh, it's showing my. They age, only probably. ran it for like a season. It was like okay. ah, just, I don't know. It was like this really weird, dark alien with his little dog named Gur, and like I just thought it was it was dark and fucked up, and I loved it. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this cute little alien puppy with tacos. Yes, Vader Gur, and it, I've just had it, you know. Like other than that, like I just thought the character was super rad. There's no That's other funny. reason. And yeah. then it just kind and of becomes a life of its own. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so t- tell me about, about the law enforcement aspect of it. Did that just kind of naturally follow along because you were commissioning stuff for the military type folks? Or was yeah. that something you sought out? Well, because you, you get people that have, you know, been active and then, you know, get out and they, be, you know, go into law enforcement or, you know, EMS or, you know, any other profession. Right. So it, there's always been like a little bit of that translation. And then two people just scrolling and they're like, Oh shit, you do this. What? So it's, and you know, in the bar too, I've had a few people that, you know, like we grew up and, you know, they're police officers and they've come in have a few drinks and share some wild stories. And you're like, wow, you do this yeah. every day. Holy shit. And I don't think people realize like, this isn't just I put my little uniform on and right, walk around yeah. and give you a speeding ticket. Like, this is a deployment that they do their entire fucking life. Right, right. There's no 
off. And oh, by the way, they live here. So. And you know their name. Yeah. Their names on their, on their uniform. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. I, I hesitate to, to touch on the subject, but like I've done a few pieces and they're just amazing. And I've had to turn off the comments on every one of them because somebody gets a fucking hair up their ass and has to say something negative. And it's just like, like I've oh, been no pulled shit. over a bunch of times, you know, I was a little speed demon, like, yeah, I can drive fast, right, you know? Right. And, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, that's a person who, you know, is doing this ridiculous job. Like we asked them to do this job. Like, Hey, go answer those fucked up calls. Right. Right. You know, like I, God, oh, those people that comment that stupid shit. I'm just like, really? Yeah. Really? Like you obviously haven't had a bad day where you needed to call them. Well, or you haven't stood between a raging sociopath or psychopath and innocent people. Yeah. Like that's yeah. no nobody wants to do that job. Nobody wants to be there when no. the shit, you know, you don't want to be the one running into a burning building. You want to be the one running out of it. And yeah. that there's a big difference in yeah, mindset. Well, and, and asking people to go do that and then yeah. too like you're asking them to, to do it for how much? Right. And no appreciation right. and just constant, you're the bad guy. And it's like, yeah. oh my fucking God. You know what? Like everybody's got a bad apple. Yeah. Everyone does. Like right. it's called human nature. <laughs> oh, shocker. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, it's just like, ah, shut up. If you don't know about it, like yeah. just, just shut up. Shut up. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's one of those things where uh, you know, like I have an opinion on uh like like everybody's got an opinion on on stuff and that's fine you know every like and that's totally understandable i guess what's what's interesting is like none of us would venture an opinion about like how a pilot is flying a plane none of us would go hey you know i got an opinion on this you know i don't think he's totally doing this right it's like well he's kind of there but on something like law enforcement um or in in some respects even the military you know why did the generals do this why do they do that it's like there's there's certain people that are qualified to judge and critique absolutely responsibly and authoritatively and it's not that anyone doesn't have a right to say it but it's more you know i i can say whatever i wanted whether or not you should take my point of view on how to fly a plane seriously though is (laughs) is debatable right and and that's kind of the thing here is that with law enforcement military stuff a lot of time people like to pass judgment that that really just you know their opinions have no validation behind them and it doesn't mean that things can't be critiqued or shouldn't be critiqued but it's a matter of like yeah you know maybe maybe have some self-awareness about how much you really know about that situation before you just mouth off or read a little bit too you know like a lot of people will talk about like oh why did you make this decision in this moment you can read all these beautiful books about when you're in a high stress situation shit is happening that you're not fully aware of you ever try to dial the phone you know with maybe a gun to your head probably not going to happen but you don't know that because you've never been in that situation right and call of duty is not an accurate description of oh fuck i'm gonna die yeah yeah you know and and everyone is different nobody you can train your fucking ass off and read all this shit and get all this beautiful instruction but you don't know until you're in there you just you just don't you know you don't know if you're going to freeze or react so yeah. yeah so you've been there <laughs> zip it <laughs> yeah i mean yeah hey, listen it's um i agree it, it's a 
And I, you know, I mean, I, God bless everybody's got a right to say whatever they want, but having the right to say it doesn't necessarily mean I need to take it with the same, I, I need to weight it the same as people that actually know what the fuck they're talking about, you know, to well, say like, I, I have an opinion on how to fly a plane, but you want my opinion or want the pilots, you know? <laughs> We're going to go know? pilot. Just yeah, exactly. No <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, um, uh, well, no, I, you know, I, that's, that is kind of, I mean, you kind of, got where i was going with that um uh, because i was kind of curious it's it's rare um in the last couple of years that you see people that actively court a positive law enforcement um you know a point of view especially on instagram or and in the arts you know and to say kind of fearlessly like yeah uh, this is these are stories i want to represent i want to tell and i i see value in it and i well they're people and again they're part of our history you know if we go back as far as, you know, the original 9-11, who responded to all that? Yeah. Think yeah. about it. What, is, what the fuck did they have to see and deal with and day in, day out? And it's like, talk to one of those guys. Shit will shake you to your core. Yeah. You know, and, and then, oh, by the way, you know, if you ever just see a guy who's like patrolling or has a street blocked off, like, go get that man a fucking coffee, something, a snack, or just tell him thank you. You know, like he's out there dealing with all the crazy fuckers that we don't want to deal with. You know, like God, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I, I always, I always think growing up in New York in the eighties, it was a, it was a great, um, for me, it was a great uh, lesson and appreciation for law enforcement because there were so many, there were so many fucking crazy dudes that you would see in the street. And uh, when I was a kid growing up, and you know, it was just me and my mom walking or something like that. And if you saw yeah. a cop, you're like, thank fucking God. Thank fucking yeah. God. Somebody's got to fucking behave themselves. And um, I, there was a, um, well, I might as well share this, but uh, I haven't thought about this in a long time, but there was a, um, one of the most disturbing things I ever saw as a kid was uh, the bank across the street from us. Yeah. There was something happened. I don't think it happened in the bank, but there was a, a homeless guy kind of ranting and raving. And back in the eighties, like a homeless guy in New York city, it's not that they're just homeless and don't have a home. Like there's a lot of other shit going on. Um, and he got a, a cop's gun, oh. he got the gun off the cop and was waving it. And the cop was on his knees um, begging for his life and seeing uh, the cop's power taken away and um seeing you know the the you know these are homeless guys i'd walk by every day i'd see them all the time you know they were yeah. they were they were you know out of legitimately out of their minds i mean they, these were not people you wanted to be around and yeah. um and to see the cop uh you know emasculated like that uh that was jarring to me in a way that I, I probably internalized on some level, but I was like, you know, and it's not to say all cops are, are righteous and all that. And we all know there's nuances in human experience and all that, but, um, but generally speaking, I mean, to see that was, was truly jarring and, and to see that shit, the animals are running the zoo for that moment. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. And I was just a kid, but I was like, fuck me. Like it just scared the shit out of me. And I was like, um, and, you know, in, in New York in the 80s, I, I think a lot of people, especially a lot of people that currently live in New York, would have benefited from living in New York in the 80s. I think they would think a lot differently about things now um, and appreciate <laughs> right. a lot uh, how, how much better the city got. But, um, yeah, that was that was a jarring one, I think. And, and let me let me dovetail it back off of uh, just the purely personal. I, I think what uh, what impressed me about your willingness to 
do art and commission art and, and artistically convey those experiences is that I think that is the treatment that often is missing. You can do a lot of law and orders. You can do a lot of TV shows about cops because that's always good grist for the mill. But the artistic rendering of the emotional content of, of that experience, I think, is a rich subject matter that really doesn't get explored because yeah. too often we, we cut that off and we say, well, hey, you're in the Met now. So now that you're in the Met, we need to see water lilies. And it's like, yeah, that's true. And, and that's nice. And that there's a lot to that. And I, I get that. But also look at all the richness that's right here in the grit of the cops standing outside the Met. And yeah. what about that experience? And, and that, you know, there's, there's a lot of value there. And I think you found a, uh, a really worthwhile niche by exploring that. Well, I think it's important to, you know, you know, I, I, humans are just constantly trying to, you know, find the meaning of life, right? And we drown right. ourselves with, quite frankly, a lot of bullshit. Sure. the meaning of life? Go ask the guy who's, you know, working till five, six o'clock in the morning. Oh, and then he made an arrest like five minutes before. Now he's got to deal with that. Oh, and then the paperwork and this and that. Yeah. And, well, you know, casual day at the office. You think they're getting overtime? Right. Well, you know, or just, yeah, just was, thank some, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> or I mean, and you certainly get the mandatory overtime. So I mean, and, and let me be clear. I mean, I've had a lot of crappy experiences with cops, not not um, because they were hemming me up for something, but just professionally where, um, God, there were some sleaze bags with LAPD that tried to they, they tried to um, foist a uh, one of the, their brother, one of the guys, one of the LAPD sergeant's brothers ran a private security company. He was trying to get me to take them on. And so he's like, oh, yeah, you got to do this because my brother has this company. I'll do this. And, and it's just sleazy backdoor stuff. I've seen stuff with guys I knew at NYPD that were kind of had this old boys club. And it was a lot of sleaze and letting a lot of bullshit go. But that's something that I, to me, that's a constant in every human endeavor. You're going to oh, find is, jackassery of, and twisted shit in every human endeavor. Oh, yeah. But know? if you think about it, like what causes that? What breeds that? It's because we start creating these fucking divides between one another. We start right. kind of forgetting that we should balance each other. There will always be horrible shit. We right. can't do anything right. about it. Right. But what we can do, you know, is just be better, try better, stop creating these hard lines between these different groups and sections. Like, yeah. Last I checked, I made a fucking skull, bone, flesh, hair, and someday my fucking I'll have an expiration date. Guess what? You too. Yeah. Just try to be better. Just fucking try. You don't need to be an asshole. Like, if you want to exert energy, exert it on something positive. Do well, something. That's that's the biggest thing, right? It's it's it's. I think it's the more you can glorify the positive aspects of the job, the more that that stuff has an impetus and, and the incentive structure to come through, yeah. the more that we try to do the Harvey Keitel bad lieutenant thing, the more that, you know, a different kind of experience gets, gets <laughs> get light, lit up, you know? So I, you know, but yeah, it's, uh, um, anyway, it's, it's one of those things I think I, I'm glad you're, you're bringing attention to it. And I'm glad that it's getting, um, an artistic rendering and the opportunities that you have to do that, because I think it's, um, I think there's it's a huge, important. it's important and it's, and it's really not covered. It's not something you see a lot. So it's, it's interesting. It's kind of virgin territory in so many respects. Um, 
I want to ask you about your work. So I was going through the site and looking at, at some of the stuff that you currently have just for sale. So stuff. First, I guess my question is, what qualifies as work that you want to sell, but you know is coming from your private stash and is not like necessarily. You're like, okay, this is now made it out of just my private for my eyes only and onto the website. Like what, what criteria does this have to hit for you to go? Yeah, this is worth somebody bidding on. I, I think as an artist, you, you know, you decide and I decided there's no point in me hoarding it and keeping it in the dark. Nobody's ever going to fucking see it. Uh, because, you know, again, this, this is what I'm going to leave behind when I pass on this huge body of work that hopefully outlives us for a long time. And so get it the fuck out there. Yeah. Yeah. People, it shares a story, but it does nothing if it sits here and collects dust. Like, yeah. So, so then, um, what about the price? How did you start coming to a piece of, of, how did you start figuring out pricing and going, all right, no, get buying me a shot at the bar isn't enough anymore. And instead, here's what it needs to be. If if I could, I would just give them all away. But my uh, my partner, who's also kind of like my manager of like the business side of the house, you know, so that I can actually pay my bills. Yeah, you got shit to pay. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you need to. I have to eat too. So. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, we started with you know like we got to cover cost of material. We got to cover you know shipping costs and this and that. Like I don't charge people for shipping. And I'll tell you what, international shipping is no fucking joke. That isn't a joke. <laughs> Holy shit. But, you know, it just goes back to it is more important for me for the pieces to get out. So how do I produce something that is not cheap and shitty so I can keep doing it, but not astronomically overpriced that nobody can have one? So I think yeah. I'm just kind of a, a good medium. And then hopefully, you know, in the future, like the plan is to maybe have a venue where people can come and do art or that's awesome for free, you know, but it's like, how do we get to that point? And it's like, well, I gotta, I gotta eat something too. Yeah. 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 It's a matter of just trying to figure it out. And I think where we're at, it's just a good, happy spot. And, you know, when nobody's looking, I still get pieces out. (laughs) Like you have one, you get one. (laughs) I'm like, Oprah. (laughs) You know, so. But but no, it's important though that you're able to eat and all that. I mean, would you would you ever do a show if you were invited? I think so. I mean, I, I jokingly tell you know people that I'm like, fuck it, I'm just going to throw my own show. Yeah, I mean, you got enough fucking work. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I have no idea how to do it, but I'll just I guess I'll you know book a venue, right? Like that's the thing, and then yeah, hit up news articles or something. Be like, come to my shit. <laughs> You know what's amazing is Instagram like covers all that now. It's amazing how little you have to do with because Instagram's like a one stop shop. You get everything covered, like all your press, all your media, all your work, like everything. It, you know, it is pretty amazing when you think about the work you used to have to do to try to pull that off, right? Yeah, I mean the power of the internet. Like I don't think I would have gotten this far if the internet didn't exist. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm from living on a tiny island, you know. Yeah. Was going to find out about me. No, it's. I mean, like legit. I mean, I I can badmouth you know internet and social media and all that as much as anybody. But goddamn, you got to say, 
it, it, this, no, none of us would be doing what we're doing without social media and without the ability to like that shorten up that flash to bang from inspiration to execution. It's just, there's, yeah. You know, positives and all the negatives, you know, how do we choose to perceive something? What do we do with it? And, you know, where are we taking it? Yeah. Yeah, I I think social media has a lot of downsides. You know, I, I, I'm from that weird generation of like, we didn't have video games to we did. And I watched a sibling grow up under that. And like, we're two totally different people. Yeah. Yeah. It has an impact and we're not going to really see, you know, the effects of all that yet. Well, I think we are starting to see it, you know, just on right. socially normal now. Yeah. Yeah. Beliefs and, you know, that, that from conception to bang, it, it's so fucking fast. It's unreal. Yeah. It, yeah. Oh. yeah. But, and, and, but look how awesome that is for somebody like you, like two years and you're like up and running and like cranking this shit out and people are sending you commissions. It's just fucking awesome. You know, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, and listen, and really well-deserved. I mean, I think your stuff is awesome. I think it's, it's, it really is. It's, it has this mythic quality. I think it's, there's so many moving pieces on there. I, I was going to, um, I actually want to just end this by asking you about a couple of them, if you don't mind, because um, there were some ones I was like, oh, I should really freaking drill into these and learn the story behind these a little bit more. So, um, Am I reading too much into it when I see your superhero or when I grow up paintings and go, this is sort of you from the bar? Uh, so it's not based off of my story. It's based off of a friend's kind of, you know, growing up, being a kid and, you know, dressing up and, you know, that's what we all kind of did. We all played. Sure. I played Cowboys and Indians. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how many other girls did that. They probably played Barbie doll or some shit, um, you know, but how many guys or girls were like, oh, I want to be a Superman or I'm going to be in the military. Right. Right. Just run around and save people. So, you know, that those paintings come from, from that story about being really young and then, you know, just growing up. Got you. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, contrast of me. This one. I loved because it has one of my favorite colors in it. Um, it has just that shocking, bright fluorescent pink. Um, kind of a dark piece. It, um, yeah. And I loved, but I loved, I hadn't seen that color in a lot of your other work. Um, but yeah, tell me about that. Tell me about the evolution of that. piece. Uh, just so, you know, uh, stories of, you know, shooting and explosions and the different colors that come out of that. Um, maybe I've heard a few stories. That just yeah. That color represents something pretty specific, um, you know, and it kind of goes back into that contrast of, you know, the dark and light, you know, so that play between dark and light colors and again, duality of the things you have to put away in order to do this job or, you know, just the experiences of these extreme contrasts. That's why we also then used, you know, this really, really bright color against a really dark color. So. Yeah. <laughs> it gets dark real quick. Yeah, no, I got you. So wait, so wait, when you meet, was, did I, am I misinterpreting that? Do you mean like, like somebody was like hiding their sexuality? Is that what you're saying with the, the pink? No, I'm, I'm talking oh. about blowing someone to bits. Okay. Got you. 
And so, the, so that darker, so that lighter side is like the, that, that pink is like the, the vibrancy, the artistry, the color of the soul that they kind of have to shut off. Yeah. That kind of. It's got a lot of different meanings too. And what I always find fascinating about pieces is when somebody looks at something and they have their own like. Yeah. Conclusions. Yeah. 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 No, a hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think it's a really fucking cool piece. I think it's a really, um, you know, uh, arresting piece, I guess is the right way to, for me to phrase that. Um, I just want to ask, is the match supposed to be Jorge Masvidal, Ben Askren? <laughs> I was like, oh, knee to the skull. Like, oh, come on. That, that, that has to be that, right? You're the second person to ask that. No, that was just like an attempt to, uh, God, I forget the conversation now. It was, it was on the topic of suicide and fighting demons and just, you know, crush it all. Um, a good friend of mine, me and her were bantering about some stuff and uh, I was just like, yeah, like, how do you express this fighting something you can't see, you know, like what's that, that, that energy, that flow that, you know, and that's, I <laughs> was the birth of that. <laughs> that's fucking funny. That's hilarious. Punching bad shit in the face. Brah. Yeah. It's a, it's a freaking, it's a, it's an awesome one. That thing is freaking badass. Um, I can see a lot of uses for that. All right. I want to ask you about two more. Um, future war. Um, so future war is actually a failed commission. Uh, the client was trying to articulate and I just couldn't nail it, but I thought it was such an awesome piece that I, I, I wasn't going to destroy it. <laughs> it's a really cool piece. Um, was future war, the commissioner's idea, the client's idea, or was that yours to title it that? The client, well, the client was on a deadline to get a piece like ASAP and I can work pretty fast so I can make that happen. But we just didn't have enough information of what was needed because it was too many different people with too much input. And okay. Yep. I just wasn't able to conceptualize what they were kind of seeing, you know, and I think that's maybe just a difference in artistic styles of what they wanted. Like I'm not a digital artist, so I fall short. And I think Maybe that's more what they were looking for is kind of this anime-ish. Oh. Huh. You know, we tried. It didn't work. No big deal. And I was like, it's still a rad piece. No, it is a rad piece. I guess, so um, I what I'm getting at is what's the, um, who came up with the future war as the title for it? Like, is that, was that the concept going in or was that something now ex post facto? You're like, oh yeah, it's kind of like future war type thing. Well, some of the theme of, of what we were trying to just kind of capture was like this futuristic type style, you know, and, mm. it, you know, there was just a lot going on. Uh, I'm, I'm not at liberty to disclose. Oh, I got you. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I dig. I the title just because I was like, oh, this is kind of like a futuristic piece. <laughs> it's, it's cool. I think it's a freaking, I think it's a really cool piece. Um yeah, it is. It is a different one, it, but it's um, it's 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 like a recruiting poster for something I want to be a part of. I'm like, oh, that's fucking badass. Whatever that is, sign me up. It's there you go. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They they should. <laughs> yeah, once they figure their stuff out, yeah, they can they can take that one if they were smart. Um, okay, violence I've seen. Uh, that's the last one I want to talk about. Um, where did the inspiration for that come from? Uh, so it's based off of, you know, old Greek or Roman statues, you know, 
Mm-hmm. And then if you think about it, these things have survived time. Imagine the shit those things have seen. Like it, yeah. Tell you the stories of, you know, I'm standing in the town square, just all the rules that have passed by my eyes, like just all the shit, you know, they've seen. Like, and it, it kind of plays back into, you know, our, some of us have, you know, warrior ancestors, right? And, right. you know, we have us now who have, you know, gone into a form of service, you know, so this, you know, genetically, like there's always been this like warrior thing too that kind of plays into that. Uh, and quite frankly, it was just super rad. So I did it. No, it's really cool. It looks like his helmet is like a, I thought at first it was like an El Cid Spanish style helmet or something. Um, so I was like, I was like, yeah, that's fucking cool. Because I'm like, oh man, that's too gay. We're gonna change that. That's fucking cool. No, I, I, I fucking dig it. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, well, listen, hey, Sarah, you fucking rock. Um, th- thanks for taking this time. This is freaking cool. Um, stay in touch. Let me know how things are going, and um, let's do this again sometime. Um, yeah, let's let's catch up again. You'd be like, so how many pieces did you? <laughs> I'll just do it if I'm feeling really lazy and need somebody to shame me. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Sarah's painted like another 500 and it's been like three months. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You fucking rock. I appreciate it. Thank you. Like it's, it's, it's fun to just kind of like step out of the normal routine in the bubble and just do something totally different and share some of my crazy, you know, opinions and thoughts. <laughs> we all have them no and it's a it's a pleasure to hear and it's and it's cool to hear the stories behind the some of these pieces and um you know we're gonna let everybody know where to go find it all right let's talk in a little bit you rock though this was awesome <laughs> that was the savage wonder of sarah rossetti you've been listening to savage wonder the podcast for warriors and artists and a production of the veterans repertory theater opinions expressed do not represent anything or anyone other than the speaker And as always, check out what's going on with us at vetrep.org. Again, that's V-E-T-R-E-P.org, vetrep.org. If you like the written word, if you love reading fiction, poetry, creative nonfiction, subscribe to the Savage Wonder Literary blog, which you can find, probably the easiest way to find it is going to vetrep.org, go to our Now Playing tab, and you will see the option to go to our literary blog, and that will give you the option then to subscribe to it. So that's probably the best way to do that. It's also a great way to listen to the podcast. So go to vetrep.org, go to the Now Playing tab, and you will see the option to listen to the podcast. Since you're listening to the podcast, if you go ahead and leave us a five-star review, if you're on iTunes, that would be dynamite. You can say whatever you want to us in the review, any kind of criticism, constructive or otherwise. But if you could put five stars with the review, that would just be awesome. Your feedback is always important to us. You can reach us any number of ways, but on social, uh, Instagram is a great way to reach us. We're at Veterans Repertory Theater, and I know nobody knows how to spell repertory. I'll spell it here in a second, but that is our handle both on Instagram and on Facebook. So Veterans Repertory Theater, that's R-E-P-E-R. T-O-R-Y, and theater is the American spelling E-R, not R-E. So at Veterans Repertory Theater on Instagram or Facebook. And if you're on Twitter, we're at Vet Rep Theater, which is pretty easy. Vet Rep Theater on Twitter. If you want to submit your work to Veterans Repertory Theater or to our literary blog, go to vetrep.org. 
go to the submissions tab and you will have all the information you need to submit your work. Right now, we're in a nice fallow period for the next couple months as I'm busy reading all the plays that were just submitted in our inaugural playwriting competitions. So uh, we're getting a lot more submissions in though already for the next competition that's currently going on. So uh, great place to submit your work, great place for your work to be seen. uh, And we welcome your submissions anytime you want to submit something to us. As always, thanks to our producer, Mike Neal. I'm Christopher Palmeyer on behalf of the Veterans Repertory Theater. See you next time when we'll dive further into the savage wonder of it all.